Okay, we're good. I recorded you. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. Um, okay, this is very, very special. It's always very special to uh, have the opportunity uh, to learn Torah as a community. And as was just said so beautifully, um, this is a very, very deep passion of ours, right? We're all uh, dedicated parents. We're all dedicated individuals. And we're always thinking about Midot. Midot is... Uh, I, I purpose is the first time in the four times that I've done it, I haven't started with the same Makor. Um, but, but I'll say it only because it actually ties in very naturally into what we're going to learn together today. And I usually start with the first source always being the same. And it's talking about why. Why Midot? Why are Midot so important? Why are Midot um, the source uh, of learning for us uh, as, as a community? And the source is from a very famous rabbi, the Slan of a Rebbe, and it's a sefer called the Netivot Shalom. And he says over there something very powerful about working on one's midot. He says that it's a mashal to a tree. He says, a tree, you know, you look at the tree, we learn a lot from trees. We talk about trees a lot, ki adam We learn a lot about trees in the Torah. And he says, when you look at a tree, if a branch or a leaf or some element of the tree is dry, wilted, then you could fix it, right? You can trim the tree, you can, you can take care of the tree. But if one of the roots, one of, one of the roots of the tree is actually hurt, ultimately you have to uproot the tree. And in the Nimshal, he goes on to explain that whenever we talk about trees, we talk about the branches of a tree, that's usually the mitzvot, that's the learning of Torah. So he says, yeah, you know, there are mitzvot that maybe I don't do so well. Maybe I'm not so good at Lashon Ara. Maybe I'm not so good at tzitzit or tefillin. Maybe I'm not so good at chesed. I can fix that, though. If, I, if I'm not good at a mitzvah, I can work on it. But ultimately, if, if my midot, those are the roots. And if my midot are rotten, then the whole tree is rotten. It says that's why before anybody even thinks about mitzvah, before we think about halachot, before we think about hilchot pesach, before we think about anything, the first thing we have to think about is our midot. And with that, we go into Chodesh Nisano. I don't get to choose which midot are the midot of the month. Last month was a little more fun. It was Simcha. Uh, but this month is a little bit different. It's, uh, it's a little more philosophical, so I'm going to ask you to bear with me today. Um, but the Midah, there's two real concepts that we find in Pesach. And the first one is the Midah called Avodah. Right? What is Avodah? Work. Work. What is that Midah? We don't talk about this Midah very often. We don't go to Shirim and often hear people talk about work. Today we're going to talk a lot about work and why that's connected to Pesach. So first of all, if you look in source number one, in Parashat Bo, where it says right at the end of all the discussion about Pesach, it ends off with, I'm sorry, I didn't number them. You're all looking, where's the number one? <laughs> uh, but the, the number one should be the one that is easiest to find. Uh, this work that I'm talking about you guys doing, Hashem's first time where he commands us to do work, is on Rosh Chodesh Nisan. Rosh Chodesh Nisan, it's the last pasuk of what I just uh, read, the last pasuk of the first source. It says, this is the work. I'm talking about doing work. When does work begin? Whatever work is, we'll talk about that. Whatever work is, when does it begin? Rosh Chodesh Nisan. This coming Shabbat, we're going to celebrate Rosh Chodesh Nisan. That's going to begin there. You know what we've just been reading about? If you've uh, been asking your, your kids those questions on the parasha sheets that are coming home, right, with all the questions, for anybody who has kids in the lower school. One of the questions we've been talking a lot about is the Mishkan. Right? We're, we're collecting all the kelima, the mishkan. Everything's being erected now. We just learned a beautiful thing. Am Yisrael, B'nai Yisrael, they've been donating a tremendous amount. Gold, silver, copper, materials, 
we got a lot for the Mishkan. And Moshe and Betzalel actually were able to make the Kelim very quickly. But then they stop. You'd think, okay, let's erect the Mishkan. Everything's ready to go. We're ready to work Hashem. We're ready to service. The Mishkan is ready. But no, there's a pause. Why? Because we can't start the Mishkan until a very specific date. Hashem said, you want to begin the work of the Mishkan, when do you have to wait for? Rosh Chodesh Nisan. The Kohanim. When does the, the whole concept of being a Kohen? Do we have Kohanim in the room? Efeh. So when did the Kehuna begin? When does the Kehuna begin? We have to right now, we just had it. one of the trick questions I like to ask children all the time, was Moshe Kohen? Who could answer that? Was Moshe Kohen? No. No, right? Ah, Efeh. You would have been, you would have had plus five on your next test, right? <laughs> For a week. Why? Because between Kav Gimel Adar and Rosh Chodesh Nisan was the few days that Moshe was still a Kohen. But really the Kehuna, as we know it, began when? All the work of the Kohanim, the Mizbeach, and all the Avodan, the Beit HaMikdash, has to begin Rosh Chodesh Nisan. There are many, many, many examples. In fact, we're about to read a Haftarah from Sefer Yechezkel. It's on the sheet. It's the second source. In Sefer Yechezkel, you have the Haftarah, which is going to talk about what? The third Beit HaMikdash, the Gula. What's it going to look like, the third Beit HaMikdash? How do we serve as Hashem in the new Beit HaMikdash? And he says, Ko amar Hashem barishon be'echad lachodesh. When are we going to start our service? In that final redemption, in the final Beit HaMikdash? Rosh Chodesh Nisan. The Avodah, the work, which again we'll dive into. All of it begins on Rosh Chodesh Nisan. So we ask ourselves, okay, what, what's this work? What are we talking about? Pause and we'll go to the second concept. The second concept that we learn about today is the concept of the Aviv. Right? We know that there are multiple names for this month, and even for, the, for Pesach. Right? We know there's multiple names for Pesach. One of them is Chag Ha'aviv. Why? Because this is called Chodesh Ha'aviv. I know it doesn't feel like spring is coming outside tonight, but we have till Shabbat. Hopefully by Shabbat, Hashem will make it come through. If not, we'll go to Israel. But Chodesh Ha'aviv, it's a springtime. What does spring represent? Why is it so important to us? The springtime, the Aviv, represents near natural perfection, right? It's not too hot. It's not too cold. Um, I'm not reliant on anything. I don't need heating. I don't need cooling. The trees are in full blossom, full bloom. Everything looks and feels great. And yet you're telling me when everything seems complete, the world is in its most complete form. The spring, I don't need more rain. I don't need more sunshine. Everything's just right. You're telling me now is the time that work begins. So we have to understand a little bit more. And Chazal says something very powerful. And this is when they begin to dive into the Midot. The rabbis tell us that when we look around the natural state of the world, we're supposed to look at these trees as they're blossoming and ask ourselves a very important question. How am I blossoming as a human being? What does my work look like? What does my growth look like? When I see the tree come into form, you know, there's a a mitzvah that we're supposed to do right after Shabbat. What mitzvah can only happen right after Shabbat this week? There's a bracha. We do it in school. We take all your children. We take them for a walk around Avenue J. And every time you find a tree right after, right after Rosh Chodesh Nisan, you look for a tree that has its first buds that's blossoming. And I say, I'm supposed to look at these trees. What's so special? The depth of it is I'm supposed to look at the tree and I'm supposed to get reflective. I'm supposed to ask myself about my own renewal, about my own growth. Where am I? What excuses am I still kind of going through, working through. Where's my rebirth? Where's my growth? Where's that beginning? Now, the answer that Chazal give to this is work. And work is a, a difficult concept, especially today. Our conception of work today is that work 
is there, if you ask the average student, why do we work? They'll, they'll give you a whole slew of answers that all fall under a category that will say, it's here to fix a problem. What's the problem? I need to support my family. So I have to support my family. I gotta work so I can provide for my family. I need food in the world. Okay, so I have to go plant a field and have crops grow so that I can have food. I need heat. So I gotta go chop some wood to make sure that there is heat in my house. So ultimately the way that we think of work is it's a problem fixer, right? Does that make sense? The rabbis tell us that's, that's a huge mistake. It's a huge, huge, huge mistake to think of work that way. Ultimately, that means that if all the problems were fixed, there'd be no more work. Everybody's like, yeah, like nodding. Yeah, that's what I've been hoping for, right? But ultimately, that's, that's not what we were put in this world for. Work isn't here on a conditional basis. That, that, we'll call that a job. That's not work. Work is my purpose in this world. Work is why I'm here every day. Work is working on myself. It's self-reflection. It's avodah. It's going and understanding where my spiritual growth is at. It's doing chesed. It's becoming vulnerable before Hashem. It's trying to improve myself every day. Seeing the challenges at every corner and doing some work to improve. That's work. Right? That work is what ultimately will lead to what we call pricha, blossoming. Right? Ultimately, when we think of work, that's what we say in tefillah every day. If you look at source number three, right? What do we say in the machzor? What are we praying for Hashem for? What's going to be one day? I'm hoping that one day you'll let me work. One day I'll have no more of the shtuyot that I have around me every day, the stuff I have to do in order to make all these ends meet, fix all these problems in my life, so that what, what am I praying to be able to do? What am I hoping that one day I will be able to do? I want to service you, Hashem. That's the whole story of Pesach. Right? The whole story is, Shalach et ami ve'avduni. Not just let my people go so they don't have to be slaves, so they could go on vacation, and they could get on a flight to Hawaii. It's let my people go so... So they can service me. Avodah. That's the real purpose of life. We can't lose that focus. So many times we ask ourselves, what's the real focus? What am I doing this all for? Sometimes you could be in the office till such crazy hours. And you say, wait a second. Where are the priorities here? I haven't seen my kids. When was the last time I sat down to learn with them? I haven't, where am I? How am I teaching them midot? Who am I entrusting that to? What are they being exposed to? Where am I in this process? I'm fixing problems. No, I'm creating problems because I've lost my whole sense of priorities. That's avodah. Avodah is having a sense of where I am right now and what work has to go in in order for things to blossom. You want things to blossom? You got to put work in. That's a big message in this. That's our big prayer here. You know, chametz, I have a a very, I was just telling somebody this today. Bezrat Hashem, this Pesach, I have a schut of going to Eretz Yisrael for Pesach. And Pesach takes a special place in our heart because my grandparents made Aliyah from Yemen in 1933. And they landed in a city called Rehovot. And in Rehovot, where they put them back then, there was nothing. They were literally given a plot of land and they had to build everything. They built their homes, they built their fields. And all the mitzvot that they had to do, they had to build right then and there. So there's always the joke in our house. Hey, when is this from? 1933. When is that from? 1933. Right? Everything we point to. So one of the things that was from 1933 was we had a matzah factory. 
It was, it was a beautiful plot of land. We had the Beit Knesset on our top floor. We had the first mikvah in Rehovot in our backyard. We had the Arba Minim for Sukkot in our garden. We had everything, everything you could ever want. It was, you know, Jewish Disneyland, right? It was, it was perfect. But one of the things that was particularly, um, you know, I, I feel a deeper connection to is the matzah room. There's a matzah room with an oven that's been there since 1933. They had to replace the oven once in all those years. But it's something that's very special because all the grandchildren come together and we make matzah every year. That's a very, very special thing ever since my great-grandfather started. And so every time I could bring my kids there, it's very special for me. And I tell my kids, you know, you learn Hilchot Pesach, you learn Hilchot Chametzu Matzah. You know, it's, it's nice, you're learning, but until you do it, you can't actually learn it. You know, you, you, got, you got to make matzah. Anybody here ever make matzah from beginning to end? You ever go to a matzah factory? Mm-hmm. My kids school. Not, the, not like the traveling Chabad matzah thing that comes to school. Like, you ever go to a real matzah factory? Yeah. And Baropa, I'm sure there's tons of them here. If you haven't, I'm telling you, it's a sight to see. It's a sight to see to go see a matzah factory. Forget all the learning. You want to learn how to make matzah, you got to go. You got to see it. One of the things you'll see is it's nonstop. It's like the place is crazy. Everybody's got a job. You have to be so specific, so deliberate in every step of the way. And your job, you got to be so focused. You know, I, I remember one of the jobs that you teach a kid to do is you have to knead the dough. Now, the thing is, when you knead the dough, at the same time, you have to be making the small little balls to make more matzah. On the other hand, the issue is you have to be doing both of them at the same time, because if you ever stop squeezing the dough, if you stop doing the avodah of the dough, and the mashkiach sees you done, takes it, throws it out. Why? Because if you're not working it, then it has time to rise and it becomes chametz. That's the essence. You have to be oved the dough for it to remain kosher for Pesach. As soon as you stop the work, as soon as you stop kneading the dough, that's how chametz forms. It's the same thing by us, right? As soon as you stop the work, as soon as you stop and you take a break and you start to look at yourself and you're so proud, look at what I've achieved, look at me, that's when the chametz starts to form. That's when the Ge'ava starts to form. That's when you're the Rasha. What does the Rasha say? What's the Rasha's question? Right? What's this work? Come on. What are you guys doing? That's Ma'avodah. Where's, he's looking for shortcuts. We'll talk a little bit more about the Rasha in a second. But that's Chametz. The whole message of the Chametz in this month is that the Matzah is the symbol of the food that is most anav, it's most humble, it's always thinking about how to reach the most people. It's the work, it's the toil, it's the matzah. In the same vein, Rav Kook says something very powerful, he says, you know, that's the idea of a malach. What is a malach? A malach is an angel, right? He says such a nice play on words to think about a malach. He says a malach is an angel, do, do angels do work? They're not stopped. They're on missions all day, every day, the Malachim. But why are they doing it? Do they, they don't need to feed their family. They don't need to do any, they don't have any material needs, any physical needs. It says that, how do you say the word work? Melacha. The same words. Melacha is malach. People who are always focused on doing work, always thinking about chesed. You see there's people in the world, there's people in the community, there's people in this room, and I won't call them out. Their whole life is about doing they're not stopping to do. They wake up in the morning, they're already thinking, how do I do for the school? How do I do for the shul? How do I do for this? How, like, milut chesed. how can I do? How can I do? Those people that are always osek b'melacha, those are the malachim. They're like angels. They're not thinking about problems. They're thinking, what's my purpose in this world? Why do I get up in the morning? Why, why am I here? What am I doing? Those people, the children see them, they're not getting musar. They see abanim and they see how they work. They want to model that same melacha too. 
They see what, what their convictions are in life. They understand, this is why I'm here. This is my purpose. We have a story in Parashat Korach. We all know the story of Parashat Korach. Do you remember the story of Korach? What was Korach's big claim? He said, who made you the ultimate Oved Hashem? Maybe we're the Oved Hashem. Who said you and Moshe and Aaron standing at the top over there, who decided that you guys are going to be the leaders of Avodat Hashem. Maybe it's us. So who remembers? What did we do? What, did, what was the idea? What did Hashem say to do? Challenge How? How did He challenge them? It's, most of us do forget. That's why I put it in here so you don't think I make it up. Right? The bottom source in source number one. So it says, Vaydabel Moshe el b'nei Yisrael vayitnu elav kol matel Every tribe, every representative of a tribe that had people that wanted to question this, they took a staff, right? They took a stiff and they engraved their name on the staff. And also, who else did this? And Aaron also got a staff and he engraved his name. And he took these 12 staffs and he put them in the place of work. What's the place of work? Ohel Moed. And he threw them in overnight. He said, let's see what comes out in the morning. And in the morning, he opens up and he says, well, one of these staffs looks different. Who's, of course, Aaron. What happened to Aaron? Pasuk Aaron. Suddenly, it started to bloom. His staff, out of nowhere, flowers are blooming. And almonds and all these different fruits are blossoming out of his thing. What does that mean? Oh, you want to know Avodah? Do you know what Aaron HaKohen is? Do you know what he does from morning to night? He doesn't sleep. You know why? Because he's so concerned about being an Ohev Shalom and a Rodef Shalom. Because Aaron, not for a second in his life, has thought about himself. Because Aaron, every second of his life, is just a walking Gmilut Chesed. A walking Ben Adam Lechavero. A walking Rodef Shalom. You want to know, those are the people they put in work. Those are the people that are not thinking about themselves. Those are the people we start to see work goes in, blossoming comes out. You want to see a person blossom. You want to see a person bloom. You want to see them grow. It takes work. And that is the, the, the overall message that we see throughout the Haggadah. Like I said, you see the dichotomy between the Rasha and the other Banim. The Rasha is always thinking to himself, you know, what kind of person looks around and sees people around them doing work, doing chesed, doing mitzvot, and says to himself, Leave me alone. You know what kind of person that is? It's every one of us on any given day. Right? That's what it is. I'll speak for myself. I won't speak for you. Right? But that's the truth. There are times when we see it and we say to ourselves, we look at each other and we need that inspiration from each other. Or we look at each other and we say, look at that. Sometimes I come to school. I say, this is my job. I come here and I'm, I'm working. I see people that... He's a lawyer, she's an accountant, he's got a business, she's got six kids at home, and yet they're so dedicated. I said to myself, wow, look at these people, these are tzaddikim. Tzaddik, katamari frach. Tzaddik, they blossom. Like a day tree, that's what a tzaddik is. You know why? Because a tzaddik is always thinking about what work to put in the world. How to work on themselves, how to work on their midot, how to work on their Torah, how to work on their children. Who are the real flowers of the world? When you say, when you bless them, they're flowers. We're talking about our children. A lot of beautiful flowers in the world. A lot of beautiful prachim. Do you know how much work goes into them? Maybe, maybe this is a little more geared towards the mothers and the fathers. Sorry. But do you know how much work goes in? From the second they wake up in the morning 
the bathing, the laundry, the, the getting them ready for school, the homework, the, the love, the smiles, the patience, the endless patience, right? It just doesn't end. That's the work that makes Am Yisrael. That's Avodah, right? There's a, there's a story in the Mishnah and the Gemara where um, there's a father who's trying to teach his kids how to walk up to the Beit HaMikdash. And it was a long trek to get to the Beit HaMikdash for Pesach. And so he wanted to teach them, you have to do this avodah besimcha. This is a long trek, but I have to make it fun for you. I have to make it, it has to come, ivdu et Hashem besimcha. So I have to teach them how to do it. So he made it a race. He said, okay, the boys against the girls. And his whole thing is, Gamar, boys, girls. And at the end, it actually says, the girls won the race. I remember my child asked me, like, what, what is the story? Like, where is it coming from? So at first I said, okay, it's a beautiful story. He's trying to teach his kids how to service Hashem B'Simcha. The Gemara is telling us, you know, we don't, it's not just to be Eved Hashem, it's to be B'Simcha. But it also occurred to me, the Gemara went out of its way to tell us the girls won. Why? Because they know real Avodah, right? It's not, a, it's not a job. It means to raise children, to look, to see Sarari now what they did. Mahari Lushi Ugot, Ratsi, every one of them, you see how they ran. They ran to the well, they ran back, they ran to prepare their... Nothing's done regular. It's all done with a tremendous ava, tremendous dedication. They see their children, they understand what it means to raise a flower, what it means to raise a nation. That's what we entrust in them. That's avodah. That's the chodesh, the month of Nisan. And I'll move to the last piece. The last piece of Nisan is that it's the, the first mitzvah of the Torah, Rosh Chodesh, right? First mitzvah of Rosh Chodesh is chodesh is chadash. You have to renew yourself. Right? We said the work that we do has to renew itself. And for the Jewish people, Nisan is our Rosh Hashanah. Right? We have four Rosh Hashanah. The world is Rosh Hashanah in Tishrei. But really for the Jewish people, this is our Rosh Hashanah, the spiritual Rosh Hashanah. This is our spiritual renewal. Today is where the work begins. When you think about work, you learn another, another, uh, another rule from the trees. When I used to go, the same grandfather in Rehova, and I would look at, he was a gardener. And when he would take me on the trees, he would get very excited when he saw a new tree. A new tree with its first fruit was very exciting. So I used to say to myself, but why is it so important? What, what do you care what the first fruit is? You're going to have hundreds of fruit. You're going to have thousands of fruit maybe from the tree. Why do you care so much about the first fruit? And what was his answer? The first fruit tells you something, right? If, if the fruit's going to be ripe and lush and, and juicy, what does it tell you? It's a good tree. Excuse me, it's a good tree. You're going to have a lot of good fruit. And if the first fruit is raw, dry, wilted, whatever it is, what did it tell you? It's going to be a bad tree. He says, you learn from that something very deep. How we begin tells us a lot about how the rest is going to go. How we begin things, how we begin a new year, how we begin a new month, it has, it has a lot to do. That's why in Rosh Hashanah and the other Rosh Hashanah, we have a lot of funny minhagim. Don't sleep on Rosh Hashanah. Why? Because you're going to have a sleepy year. You don't uh, drink because you're going to have a drunk year. Don't do that. What does that mean? What all those mean, Hagim mean? No, they come from here. The way you begin something has a lot to do. It's, it's a bit of a predictor for what's coming. How I begin my day, I say, what do I say? What are the first words I say? First, first words, the Balatanya says, even before your first thought, try to say, right? You don't even put a kippah on. That's why it's not Hashem's name. Try to make it before your first thought that the first thing that comes, that comes out of your mouth in the day is the first word, you know, the rat of Cook asks a great question. He says, Modeh ani? Is that proper grammar? It should say, ani modeh. We say, ani holech. Ani ochel. Why, what does he say? God forbid should a Jew's first word in a day be ani. God forbid. What a day that would be if I said ani before modeh. Right? Even that, even the first word. 
I do netilat yadayim. It's my first action. Why? Because these hands are going to do avodat kodesh all day. All day I'm going to be shaping, molding children. I'm going to be serving people. I'm going to be davening Tashem. Oh, before I do that, let's make sure that, that I'm doing it b'tahara. Make sure that all my actions today are going to be pure. So I do netilat yadayim. I say, Hashem, please, today, these hands, they're going to be very active. They're going to do a lot of things today. Let them be, let me make sure, Hashem, that everything I do is with purity. Everything is directed to you. Everything is going to be with a sense of sanctity and holiness. So I wash my hands. Every first, we spend so many halachot saying, well, the first article of clothing I put on, how I put it on, right shoe, left shoe, so many things. Everything is about how I begin. So with that, I want to end with one piece in the Haggadah that I, I learned from the Lubavitcher Rebbe, which I never forgot. He said something about the, the four sons. Okay, we all remember the four sons in the Haggadah? The Chacham, the Rasha, the Tam, and the Shenodesh. We have four sons we learn about in the Haggadah. You're going to have to follow this a little bit, but I promise you it's worth it at the end. So he says, okay, we have four sons in the Haggadah. There's another group of four sons in the Torah. Let's follow, follow here. In Maseche Bava Metzia, where we talk about damages, we have four Shomrim. Follow me for a second. So we have the Shomer Chinam. We have the Shomer Sachar, the Sachar and the Shah. What does that mean? The Shomer Chinam. If you want, you can help me. The Shomer Chinam is somebody where I, I lend something to you. And I say, Walter, can you please watch this bike for me? And you say, sure. No payment, right? You're just a friend. You're going to watch it. That's called the Shomer Chinam. You're watching it for free. You have Shomer Sachar. Sure, I'll watch it for you for a payment. Socher is a lender and, and a Shoel is a borrower. Those are the four categories of Shomrim, of watchers. We learn a lot about these, a lot of laws of damages and, and all of that. <coughs> so listen to what he says. The Torah, and you're going to look inside for a second, the Tzukim. The Torah talks about these four Shomrim. And it teaches us, okay, the last one. We go to the last one for a second, the Shoel, the borrower, right? So it tells us a halacha. I borrowed Walter's bike. And it broke. If it was an animal, it could have died. But we're going to stick with the object right now. I took it, and, and I borrowed it, and I broke it. What happens? What should happen in such a case? What do you think? Replace it. I have to replace it. I have to pay for it. Okay? So he says, If the owner wasn't with him, he has to pay. Good? So we, we all understand the case, correct? Now look at Rashi. So we're coming to tell you that the borrower has to give. Why does he have to pay? Because he's an anus. He didn't have a choice. But let's go for a second. Now when I said these three words, if the Baal omit, Ba'alav ain imo. What does that mean, Ba'alav ain imo? If the owner wasn't with him. When? What? When he asked. When he? Oh, I'm hearing a lot of different answers. When he asked. When he asked, when he broke it. When he borrowed it. When he borrowed it. Okay, I'll tell you how I read it until I read Rashi. I think Rashi's a big chidush. I always thought to myself, okay, Walter, you let me your bike, right? So if we were together and you saw that it broke, then you know it wasn't me. So maybe that's why I'm not chayav. That's why I always read it. Rashi's not saying that. Listen to what Rashi says. He's going to say, I don't remember who I heard it in the back. At the time of borrowing, let's think about that for a second. If Walter was with me, at the time of borrowing, at the time that he lent it to me, and it wasn't like a phone call, like, oh, yeah, hell, you can take it, it's in the backyard. 
But if he was there and he lent it to me and he gave it to me in person, then even if I walk down the street three blocks, he doesn't see me and it breaks, I'm good. I'm patur. As long as we were together at the time of borrowing. I'm not going to get into this halakha. There's an entire daf of Gemara that you can learn. Tanashem is that I'll tell you why, why this is important. The Lubavitch Rebbe says something very powerful based on this. He says, we have two, we're comprised of two things. A goof, a body, and a neshama, soul. Correct? The soul comes from where? Hashem. So we are what? Which one of these four? We shamer chinam, shamer safar, sechaja. What is this? How are we shomrim on the soul? For borrowers. For borrowers. I'm a sho'el. I'm borrowing this neshama. Now, am I doing everything right every day? No. So what is the sh'at sh'ela? Now listen to what he says. When, you, when do you get your neshama? Every morning, correct? That's what we say, modani. Right, we get every morning, the, the madrasa, so we wash our hands, we get, our, we get it every morning. When I get up in the morning and I get my neshama from Hashem, if I get up in the morning and I say, Hashem, I know I'm borrowing this neshama. Keep going. I understand Hashem that you're the king and I'm part of your kingdom. That you gave me back my soul now. What's Rabba Emunatecha? Who's Emun? Who has Emunan? Who? Hashem. Hashem, you have Emunan me. You have Emunan me that I can right now. That I'm gonna have another. You gave me another day in this world. Hashem, I'm so grateful. I'm so so grateful. Thank you for this neshama. If at the shat shela, if I, when I start my day and I get that, Hashem, then then I might go later in my day. Am I gonna make mistakes? Maybe I'm gonna make some mistakes. Did I slip up and say Lashonara a little bit later? I may have said some Lashonara. I shouldn't have, but I did. I'm going to work on it. Was I, was I extra careful on what I ate? Maybe I wasn't so careful on what I ate, but I, I could get a little better. Maybe I had an opportunity to chesed and I didn't do it. Maybe. But am I, am I chayav? If you said modani the right way, when you got your neshama, then you're patur. But if I start my day without a modani, if I start my day and I say, Hashem, this is my world. I built this. You know this house I have here? Who do you think built it? I worked hard. I got the clients. I made the sales. I did all these things. Oh. So in Ba'alaveni Mo, you don't know who your Ba'alim are, you don't know who your owner is, and you're Chayav. Then it's on you. The Sho'el, this is such a pshat, She'eno Yoda Lish'ol. The fourth son. It's not he doesn't know how to ask questions. She'eno Yoda Lish'ol, he doesn't know how to borrow, says the Rebbe. It's not Sho'el Mibchinat question. He doesn't know how to recognize who his creator is. He's, he doesn't understand where it's all coming from. That's the song we talk about most in the Haggadah. The Shein Ha'adah Yishol. Who's the Shein Ha'adah Yishol? When I don't know how to start my day, when I don't know how to start my year, when I don't know how to start my month, when I don't stop and say to myself, Hashem, I know it's all from you. Maybe I'm not going to be perfect today, but I really want it. Maybe I'm not going to put in the work, but I really want it. That's how I start my day. That's how I start my month. Because we go into Chodesh Nisan now, Shabbat is coming before us. The big thing is, we have to look at ourselves and say, okay, we all have a little bit of everything in us. We're all a little bit Chacham, we're all a little bit Rasha, we're all a little bit Tam. We all, we all have the four sons in us. Our hope is that we can work a little more to get rid of the Rishut. Be inspired by those around us, not push away. We do a lot of pushing away. Don't push away the opportunities. You have an opportunity to do Chesed, you grab it. And you take your children with you. You have an opportunity to, to go pray a little more, so you say, okay, I'm going to take upon a little bit more prayer in my life. I have an opportunity to go get a shiur, I'm, I'm going to grab, I'm going to grab. Ultimately, Bezrat Hashem, we put in this work, we put in the toil, we put in the rigor, and we'll see beautiful trees blossom, Bezrat Hashem. Like Hashem, Bezrat Hashem.